1: Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy on a Wednesday afternoon. We're so excited to be talking about the Shawshank Redemption. Twenty-five years later, Andrew Guy came to Action Movie Anatomy in the winter of 2019. We'll see you in just a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Uh, uh. What's up, everybody? Morgan Freeman is apparently in the house. (laughs) In the house, in the hizzy. (laughs) Talking a little Morgan Freeman. (laughs) What's up, everybody? Oh, man, it's exciting. The live chat's going crazy. We're talking Shawshank. What a day. What a day. This is definitely a movie we never, ever thought we would cover on this show. (laughs) It's 100% not an action movie. (laughs) Nope. There's... Zero parts. This is going outside the norm, outside the box. It's just talking movies we want to talk about. How's everybody doing? It's Wednesday. It's, uh, the heat doesn't feel like it's on. I'm sweating. How are you? Are you? I'm, I'll probably be sweating soon. This movie has been out for 25 years, yeah. which is which is mind blowing. And I'm pretty sure I saw it when I was like 10 or 11. Yeah, I, this was like a movie. Okay, mm-hmm. so we were both both born in 1988. Yep. So this is a movie that by like 1995 was probably already considered a classic and by like 2000 when you and i were like you know in those years we're starting to watch kind of like adult movies consistently for the first time yeah this was like that movie that you like i like remember watching this at like a summer camp or a sleepover like a class in like a middle school class like teacher was sick kind of a day right it's like that movie well yeah because i mean so, so we've we've talked about this many times on the show my mom wasn't into me watching r-rated movies very much period uh she would sometimes allow the enter the dragon to slip through or some chuck norris basically anything martial arts sure, she felt sure. Was, was appropriate this was like the first r-rated movie that my mom was like we need to watch this movie together you need to see this movie um and i think it's just We have a a great guest calling in. Drew McQueen going to call in today, which we're we're really, really excited about. McQueenie, I was reading, he was tweeting about he'd just shown his boys who I think are 10 and 11 this movie recently, like last week as well there's something about this movie first of all i never wanted to go to jail after watching this movie no this movie like really does it does make jail seem horrific Uh, mcqueenie was uh scheduled by the way you guys in the chat are asking uh was scheduled to come in studio and we should have him in studio another another show um he couldn't make it in the studio so we actually have him calling in for a portion of the show today which is exciting because he has an awesome story that he told us we can't wait for you guys to hear it's really going to be epic but uh yeah guys this is action movie anatomy we cover action movies on this show generally speaking those action movies adhere to four basic rules uh we're going to go over them just so you guys like kind of yeah. but they're really not a thing today. No. Rule number 1, the hero always plays by their own rules. I mean, I will say that Andy does. Andy Dufresne does play by his own rules. That is 100%. We're there. We're we're on our way. One of one. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> one of one. <laughs> 25%. Rule number 2, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people beings things dinosaurs in the room. So who's the villain properly? Is it Injustice, the Warden, or Hadley? Or or Box? <laughs> Uh, Boggs gets what he's what gets what he's got coming to him. So I think I mean yeah, he, he never walks again. He eats the rest of his life eating through a straw. So I think I think the true villain is the warden. I think there's a reason why he's the last person who gets his comeuppance. Yeah, you know. And he does. He is the smartest guy in the room. Like he, he puts Andy in the hole, and then he takes out Tommy. Like yeah. he, I guess the, you have to say the warden is the smartest guy. He undercuts. He like he's like a genius in terms he's of like a his master villainy. manipulator. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even when Andy's talking to him, he's just like, I, and I am so shocked that you were caught up in it. Yeah, like trying to make Andy feel dumb. Yeah, right, like, right. The right. whole thing. I love obtuse. How could you be so obtuse? Yeah, it's great. I've yeah. never seen somebody so offended by the word obtuse. Yeah, he's so offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess Elmo Blatch is a villain too. Yeah, Elmo. Elmo's freaky. These, there was like something with a thesis of like that I wanted to do is like Elmo Blash could be the scariest fifteen like or the one scariest one minute performance in movie history. He's a real yeah. His teeth, he's everything. His yeah. laugh, his teeth, the way he laughs when he says "in this tasty bitch." Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Definitely not. He's a banker. So he works for the man now because he's in jail. Oh, okay. He works for the man. He's doing taxes for. <laughs> Police officers. You get you got there. And it even talks about how the dean comes up with the uh, the prisoners on the outside sure. program. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that. Rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's no explosions. There's no explosions. Explosions of emotion. There's lightning. Explosions of brotherhood. Explosions <laughs> of, of shit water. Mother space. Oh, Ugh. <laughs> Mother <laughs> space. Mother space is one of my absolute favorite. Mother space. Yeah. <laughs> uh... So, so yeah, guys. That's that's the four rules of action movie anatomy. There's a few things. We took it all.
0: We brought them to our land.
1: An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse.
0: Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see.
1: We could not. But she did. And in the end, what will I become, Senwa Saga? Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. There's a business to get to before we kind of get into today's show, which is going to be exciting, by the way. Yeah. We're talking about uh, our top Stephen King film adaptations. We're going to be answering some of your AMA questions. We're going to be talking about some new Patreon ideas and then covering some other sweet segments as well as obviously a very special call in from Mr. Drew McQueenie. Um, big shout out. We got uh, we got patrons to talk about. We do. We got uh, Dennis Gretzky. And Jacob Patrick. I'll yeah. take these two, no problem. Yeah, Big uh, <laughs> think We, we want to let you guys know. We, we salute, salute you. you. That's patreon.com slash Action. You guys get sweet content there. Uh, the holidays are over. We're back in, in town together, so Drew and I are yeah. going to be giving you guys some sweet stuff there soon. Be sure to look out for a big new Patreon announcement coming out in the next couple weeks. Yes. Probably an updated video and everything. Yeah, and like it's just a small apology. As Ben said, the new year's been a bit crazy, trying to get our footing, trying to figure out exactly how and what to bring you guys. So Patreon will be back to life. There will be content on there soon. We very, very much appreciate your patronage. Yeah, so if you guys want to follow along with today's conversation, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, You guys can find me at Andrew Guy, and you can find the show at Team Action Show, which we are also. Guys, we're we're doing it all. We're going to be much better socially, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Speaking of which, there's a pretty cool thing that we want to talk about here, guys. Um, So there's a couple people that have been very helpful uh, getting us To the point that we've gotten to organizationally. Yes. Um, And and a lot of you guys hear their names a lot here, and we're going to get to them in a minute. But uh, as well as thanking those people, we want to let everybody here know that uh, the Action Guys, Ben and Drew, we're looking for some help. We're That's looking us. for a little bit of help. We're looking for some people to come on and help us run the expansion of this brand, the Action brand. Uh, as you guys know, there's there's content we do in the Schmodown. We have a show at Collider called The Action Guys. We we do this show. We have a Patreon. We want to make that content bigger, better, shinier, more polished, and build this brand into something really special. And uh, to do yeah. that, we need some help from you guys. So if you want to become a part of the team, what we're really looking for is some sort of like a, a, an intern slash associate producer kind of a role, somebody who's talented with social media Who's very good at organ- organizing, helping share that stuff out, clipping little videos, you know, out of episodes, things like that. Yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> what we're basically looking for, as Ben is saying, is a social media manager, someone that is, is a pro with social media specifically. We've already got two associate producers, and I know that it's not really a big surprise to any of you uh, in Richard Eric Jarvie and Paul Danuso. Yes. Uh I'm calling them associate producers for now. They can come up with a cooler title on their own, but that's exactly what they're going to be. They are literally coming up with a cooler title on their own as we (laughs) speak, speak, probably in the live chat. I wouldn't be surprised. And if you guys want, you can throw in (laughs) the names that you'd like in the live chat. They're always here, but, <clears throat> yeah we need another a third person to come in and really help with this it's going to be helping with show production and, and it's got to be someone that is a big fan of the show You, it's got to be someone that's seen a lot of episodes of AMA someone who enjoys watching the action guys as well just to make it easier on all of us and of course we will be Sorry, go ahead. I can tell you're going to say something. I, I was going to say, we're, we're going to be finding a way to compensate. Uh, yep. This is not just for this show, because obviously Popcorn Talk as a network has social media managers to help run the whole network, but it's the action brand. All the content we're doing across all the different spaces that the action guys do content. It's this show. It's the action guys. It's team action on, you know, in, in the Shimodown both together and apart. It's the Patreon. It's it's a lot of stuff. Yep. And so we do need help. So if you're interested in helping out, guys, um, DM us in any way that you want. It can be on Twitter. It can be on Facebook. It can be on Instagram. No pictures. Um, no pictures please (laughs) let us know uh if you're interested in why you think you'd be great to help us out with this we probably are going to be bringing on one maybe two people to help and uh that's kind of the big announcement so we'll be announcing this on the other show and and the social groups and everything as well and this is like something like we will literally be getting the ball rolling and going within the next week and this is all so that ben and i can bring you guys better content all the way across the board um it's definitely been kind of tough to keep Keep up with everything these days, but it's also really exciting. It's really kind of crazy that, you know, Patreon and Team Action as a brand, and this show has grown to the level that it has. I remember when Ben and I first started our Patreon, we had, like, 30 patrons, and we were like, man, yeah, this is crazy. Imagine if we get to 50. Well, we're at, like, 200 now, and that's a lot of people to manage. And I'll tell you what, guys. This is, this is pretty crazy, but right now... Between new episodes of AMA, audio and video, The Action Guys, audio and video, the old catalog of both shows, both audio and video, our Patreon and the Schmodown, Andrew and I are getting viewed right now by over 100,000 people a week um that's so great there's like a hundred thousand plus people a week that have some eyes involvement with what we're doing and we want to get that t- like 10x we yeah. want to keep growing that thing we have so many cool ideas we have shows we want to pitch to networks we really want to build this thing out and so there's a lot of great people that we've been talking to about helping and that's going to be today's preamble because we really want to talk about the shawshank redemption yeah we really 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 want to talk about this movie i know it's in both of our top five so let's hop in first and watch the trailer the trailer the trailer to Shawshank for a ladies and gentlemen. You've heard all the evidence. I submit that this was not a hot blooded crime of passion. I love that Consider guy. this a revolver, holds, perfectly cast. His, like, test, bullets, his, his, like, yeah, his in the always fired always the gun empty, me. and then and you don't even stop hate him, right? to write. D- he does such a but great job. In me by yeah. a state of Maine. A You're a very cold, like, a very a cold and icy. What's he saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one for each of your victims.
1: The Did music in this movie is one of my, it's five favorite of in This shot? Th- his exactly. cinematography is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I believe in two things discipline, help me, and the Bible.
1: What a weird trailer. Here you'll yeah. receive
0: both. And he came to Shawshank Prison in 1947. And he came to Shawshank oh, I didn't Prison in 1947. I didn't Those of that you that ask. are
1: talking about being a <laughs> you, you member of that either. team, uh, make sure you said, don't I talk about it in the chat here because we won't see I it. Later, you got to send us a message afterwards so that we actually have about it. Because it will yeah. get lost in the chat. At <clears clears clears throat> Team Action Show on Twitter,
0: Facebook fan groups.
1: If you're already a patron, you can send us a Patreon message. That's an easy way. There's something inside that they can't touch. Talk Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Damn it, new friend, you're putting me behind! It's such a a wonderful... You better be sick or dead in there, I kid you not! It's honestly, like, one of the most beautiful examples of, like, perfect screenwriting that I've ever seen in my whole life. It's just wonderful storytelling. You never... It's too... It's it's. busy living yeah. Busy it's almost two and a half hours long. Yeah, and it's just it incredibly compelling from beginning to yeah. end. It moves. Okay, There's really a move. die. Even after. That's damn right. Robert Stevens goes and withdraws all the money. Yeah. and Then you have the whole moment with Red getting out. Yeah. It's right. still perfect. Yeah. The ending. The ending does that. That ending does. It's the only part that feels like it drags on a little, but it's really? not a bad way. Yeah. You don't expect there to be more movie. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I and I do love. That on the final shot, there's not a word said. It just shows them going up to each other and then the pull out. Yeah, the the wide pull. Then not a word said between one another, just a hug. Oh, interesting. That's so interesting. Drew McQueeny just said, "Gotta love that Miller's Crossing score in the trailer. Miller's Crossing, the yeah. Coen Brothers movie from '93." Um, I, it's interesting you say that, Drew, in the chat there, but just because I I was I love the Thomas Newman score so much, and I didn't recognize what they were just playing, um, the classic Shawshank theme was not what they played, and I expected to hear yeah. it. So, um, all right, guys, we're going to continue uh, into the show so we make sure we, we make time for our very special mm-hmm. guest. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to do something called thesis statement. This is your biggest, boldest thought. This is the the thing that you feel about this movie the most, that you would you would defend to a tea at a party. If this yep. movie came up, you'd say, well, here's my thing about the Shawshank Redemption, and then you would drop the mic after you explained it. Yeah, um, and this party's sweet because it has a microphone at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your biggest, boldest thought. It's really the thing that you stand behind about this movie the most. And I'm going to jump in first because... It's the thing I've said my whole life about this movie and I really believe it to be true. This is the greatest movie voiceover in the history of film. And I can I can really back this one up because it's even if you're going back to the 40s to like film noir voiceover that's right, like right. really narrative and very important in those films. The voiceover in this film is not only the most famous thing that Morgan Freeman's ever done. It's the definitive voiceover in the history like in our in our modern era. It's the, it's like his voiceover in this movie feels as much a character in the movie as Red even is. Like it could be a different character talking. It's such a like a peaceful, beautiful narration of this movie. I can't imagine this movie if it had if it had not had that detail. If it hadn't had the voiceover, if that had all been characters talking, yeah, it would not have been even close to as good of a movie. And, and when like. You know, the classic, like, uh, in Adaptation, you have Brian Cox talking about voiceover is sloppy, lazy writing. Yeah, totally. Right? And that's that's exactly not at all. And that's what I was going is- to say is, like, voiceover became, like uh, – it became, like, a, a double-edged sword. It became almost – Uh, like, blasphemy to have in scripts because it was, like, lazy. It was like, ah, he can just say things that I don't want to figure out how to write in the story. Like, show you, he'll just say it. But the thing is, is, like, from the first moment that you hear his voice in this movie, like you said, just like in in one of our favorite scenes in Boogie Nights, the music in the Drug Deal Gone Bad scene, is it does feel like a different character. It doesn't feel like Red is that voice. It almost feels like it's it's like a filter of God and a filter of the audience. Sure, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, super yeah. weird. And considering Morgan Freeman's voice is most associated with God, like <laughs> this is true. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> uh, I love that. I think. I mean. I think it's super appropriate. I I can't think of one that stands out to me more either. Um, I, I had like a few thesis statements as I always do. I mean, one of them that I think is interesting is: is this just the career defining role for everyone in this movie? Like, like let's see. I I know the warden from another movie called Patch Adams, where he plays Dean Walcott, and he's an I, asshole. I know him in a few movies. He's the, he's the father in I Heart Huckabee. Yeah. he's like he does. He he's been in shit. He's a like, good actor. Yeah. And then you've got, of course, the head prison guard, which is like we've seen him Clancy in a lot of Brown. stuff. Clancy he's Brown. Brown. He's in tons yeah. of things. He's a he's a very phenomenal character actor. This is his role. Morgan Freeman is Red. It's his role. Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne. It's his role. Like, yeah. If you really think about Morgan Freeman, like what's the closest thing? It's like. It's not Million Dollar Baby. Nobody ever talks about Million Dollar Baby. It's not that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's maybe it's Bruce Almighty. He plays God. It's not that. <laughs> it's, so so that was one of them. The Lucius other one, Fox. There was another one where it was like this movie is just the most satisfying movie to watch ever. Yeah. Period. But so I have a friend. Yeah. My friend Ashley. She loves to uh, do this really weird things where she likes to watch. She likes to look up the end of a movie in the middle of it. Drives me fucking crazy. Uh, we were watching The Gray last week. Yeah. And she's sitting there and. I could just tell she gets at her phone, and she looks up the ending of The Grey. And I like look over, I was like, did you just look up the ending? She looked it up? She, lo- she always does this. I was like, did you just look up the ending of The Grey? And she's like, yeah, you've seen it before. I was like, I haven't seen it since theaters. I don't remember it. You just ruined this for us. And it's like, obviously, I got like more upset than I should have. I <laughs> I've seen you get down. I've seen you get this kind of upset before. So I told her about Shawshank, and then she wanted to look it up. And I realized in that moment, this is the number one absolute worst movie ever. To have spoiled for you, period. Just yeah, the ending is such a great turn. It's such a great twist. Whether it's suds on the roof, whether it's what happens to Boggs, yeah. Whether it's whether it's so stamp away, Sonny Boy, because I don't give a shit or damn or whatever Morgan yeah. said that that monologue. Whether it's Seawatt to whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There I are mean, so many beautiful moments in this movie that if you were just to read about them on like a Wikipedia breakdown, it. Uh, Brooks was here. I mean, Brooks was here. He says, I'm I'm going to go now. And at first, you don't know what he's talking about. And then you sort of realize what's happening. And, like, I think the only moment that could actually be better is if the first time you were watching, you knew that when the warden was holding the Bible, that inside of it was the picture. The rock hammer? That was the only thing. I thought about it actually today. I thought about it actually today. Another thing I thought about today for the first time watching it. Worse uh, than Sixth Sense because I watched the Sixth Sense just recently. I watched it for the first (laughs) time a year ago. and Yeah, anyway, sorry. When he's talking to Red and he says, Red, there's there's this uh, black volcanic glass rock in the field. uh, And uh, it's been 20 years since he's been to that field, right? And what he has buried under that rock. Well, no, no, it hasn't been 20 years since he's been there. Wait, what do you mean? When since, he's talking to Red. Yeah, he's in since prison. Andy's been there. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So how, first of all, is he planning on going to put this black volcanic stone there in case it's not there anymore? Right. Is it already there? Like, that's what I was trying to figure out is like, does he, you know what I mean? Is he planning on that field? He's going to go and set that for Red after he knows for he's sure. escaping. That's the plan. That's that. But you think that he's talking about something from when his wife and he were there. But you realize when you think about it, that's he would never plan for that. Yeah, the other one is how did he tape the poster back up? But we don't want to talk about that. No. (laughs) I don't ever want to think about how he taped the poster back up. After he got out. After he crawls through. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know how. The back of the poster is attached to the bag, and then when he crawls, the bag pulls the poster and adheres it back to the wall. No, I know how. How? He doesn't crawl in backwards because it shows him crawl through forwards. Yeah, but so he – He can't turn around in there. The poster, he obviously is, like, lifted up. And he he leaves the top part stuck and the bottom not and the bottom that's just, just ludicrous man and there's tape and it just <laughs> and you know, it was, it, it grabs it I think it works yeah there's like one blaring plot hole I think everyone talks about online but I can't remember what it is okay. guys if you want to okay. throw that in the chat let us know um, those are our thesi let us know if you agree with us is that the greatest voiceover ever is this the worst movie to be spoiled ever. Mm-hmm. Again, I saw Sixth Sense, knew 10 years later, still thought it was a good movie. So I'm going to swap our next two segments here. Normally, we would do fist pump moment, which we'll get to in a second. But because Drew McQueen is going to be calling in any second, and I want to do character profiles before we get to fist pump and production development, we're just going to do Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman real quick. And then we're going to get to fist pump and have Drew McQueenie, Mr. McQueenie, call in in about five minutes. The Godfather. Uh, So first and foremost, Tim Robbins. 94, Hudsucker Proxy. 93, Shortcuts. 92, Bob Roberts. Haven't seen Bob Roberts. Love Shortcuts. One of my favorite movies. Uh, uh, love the Hudsucker Proxy. I work for a toy company. We make hula hoops. Every time I tell someone that, they ask me about the Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, it's literally happened to me probably 50 or 60 times you now. You keep saying the string of words. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a Cohen Brothers film. It's a good movie. It's not one of their better movies. Tim Robbins in 94 was like an up-and-comer, I guess, at that point. He was he was like probably A-ish list. I want to say Bull Durham is before that, and, and people yeah. love Bull Durham. Um, Maybe, like, top B, bottom A? Yeah, yeah. Again, we probably yeah. could ask McQueen about this because he, I believe, was kind of at a point where he was getting into the industry at that point. So he for probably sure. had a better awareness of truly the estimation of these guys involved. And Morgan Freeman at that point uh, had already, you know, he had been nominated for, a, I think, a couple Oscars at that point. Driving Miss Daisy was 89. Glory was 87. Street Mart's 88. Street Smart is 88, I think. So he was really kind of doing it. Mm-hmm. So here you got Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is 91. The Power of One in 92 and Unforgiven in 92. Just Best a picture massive, movie. yeah, so massive he, run there. He feels like he was a bigger actor than Tim Robbins when this movie was made. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think he was a bigger actor. Yeah, I watched Inside uh, Lewin Davis yesterday. Yeah, really good, right? Really? You didn't like it? I just thought it was fine. Hmm. It was weird, yeah. I mean, Oscar Isaac, you know. yeah, you know I saw I like 20 know. minutes of it once, but everybody loves it. I, I oh, you haven't it. seen it? I haven't the whole movie. Oh, no, okay, I, okay. I gotta watch it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should watch it and we should talk about it. So, yeah, yeah that's that's where these guys are at in their career. Um. It does feel like Morgan Free- Freeman was substantially more famous, but Tim Robbins was also a leading man, whereas yes. Morgan Freeman never really was that. Yeah, Morgan Freeman definitely was in the way that Denzel in 1994 was like coming into his own as like, you know, the guy that could do Pelican Brief and he could do Crimson Tide. Right. Morgan Freeman didn't have that same thing. He's a unfortunately a much more supportive character, uh, often playing a black character in support of a white lead. Like that was much more yes. than films in the early 90s. You have him well, yeah, and that's supporting... Also just- the, Kev, the business. Yeah, you have him supporting Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. You have him supporting Jessica Tandy. You have him supporting Tim Robbins. Like, that's just a little bit more, you know, he's supporting Clint Eastwood. Like, yeah. Over and over again, he's the second fiddle. Um, so, you know, he that's a thing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember right now, because we got the chat here talking about it a little bit, where they're like, wasn't originally Tom Hanks supposed to be Andy Dufresne? I can't remember if it was Hanks or not. I do know that Harrison Ford was originally supposed to be Red's role. Oh, interesting. Under Rob Reiner's direction. But again, this is something that I think Drew can probably talk about. And I know I have it written down in here. Some. Oh, yeah, right here. He planned to cast Tom Cruise as Andy and Harrison Ford as Red. Interesting. That would could have been a much worse that? movie. Well, it could be a horrible movie. <laughs> I mean, and, and I love Tom. We love Tom. Ford could have played a good red, but it wouldn't have resonated the same way. Nah, you needed a black red. Yeah. Just for the line. Yeah. Must be because I'm Irish. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, oh, look at this. I got a couple nice comments here. Uh, I want a big big shout to Adrian Kwiatowski. Just got to say here Bateman smash it at the Schmodown premiere. Awesome performance. Thank you so much. If you haven't watched it, check out Schmodown New York. Uh, I had to lie last week on air. That I had met Paul Denuso. Yeah, I almost blew that. Yeah, uh, we had to cover it up. I did meet DiNuzzo. I met uh, William Belford. Uh, I can get your name right. Like there, name. You, there it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, I met a bunch of great people and, and, and fans of the show. And it was really fun to hang out in New York. So thank you guys all so much for being a part of it. And um, I was really proud of that. And I appreciate that it resonated with you guys. Uh, whenever Drew McQueenie is ready to call in, uh, we are ready for you to call in, sir. So uh, let us know. And we're going to kind of keep moving into this next segment uh, as we wait as we wait for your call, yeah, wait for the Godfather. Yeah, that's that's I I was close. I was really close to blowing that last week, and I'm really glad that I didn't. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> you went for it. You know, I really did. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about the production development while we're waiting on this call here. So Darabont had made um he made good on a deal with stephen king that he was going to write and direct shawshank redemption yep. rob reiner had originally or previously adapted another king novella the body into the movie stand by me which was you know a very popular yep. movie oh we got him all right there he forget is. about it what's up drew how you doing brother hey gentlemen how are you what's going on man the godfather himself calls in big stuff
0: I am uh, am pleased to be here, Yeah, Um, and uh, yeah, and no better film to to show up to talk about.
1: This is an amazing one, and you know, uh, guys, this is going to be really special, because we asked Drew if we wanted to come on the show, and he responded by being like, not only will I come on the show, but I have the coolest story about this movie you've ever heard in your entire (laughs) life, and I almost just want to give you the floor here to just launch with that, because I think that's... It's going to be pretty hard to, uh, to beat it. Yeah, Drew, when Ben, Ben actually, he, he called me and he's like, yeah, Drew responded. I just got to read this message to you. And like when he read it to me, like my jaw was on the fucking floor, dude. So first of all, I, I hope you're feeling better. I know you, 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 you know you weren't feeling the best today. So thank you so much for making time to call in. We're so yeah, happy to have you. And uh, tell us a little bit about your relations with the Frank Darabont.
0: Well, I I met Frank back in uh, the early 90s when he was working on Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Okay, And he was, uh, I met him, I was working at a Laserdisc store, which was almost all industry customers. People that bought Laserdisc at that point were largely just people that worked in the business.
1: Cinephiles, if you will.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or, Or super, yeah, super film freaks or people that actually made movies. And so Frank was there constantly buying things. And I recognized him from a student film that he made, which blew his mind. And that's how we started talking. And so he was working on Young Indiana Jones and at the same time had this book that he had bought And because he had done his student film as a dollar baby, which is – Stephen King will let you make a short film based on any short story of his if you're a student for a dollar. And that's because he really wants students to cut their teeth on strong storytelling and learn how to do it. So uh, Frank had done that with a short called The Woman in the Room, and it got released on home video, and I'd seen it. And so Frank was shocked that anybody had ever seen that thing. But because he had that relationship with King, he had gone to him and said, look, you have a book that I love, and I would love to own it and control it and write it, and I I eventually want to make it as a movie. And King gave him the rights to Shawshank Redemption for a very tiny amount of money because he realized nobody else really sees this as a movie. You get it. Fine. Go and do whatever you're going to do with it. And Frank owned it outright. There was no chance for anybody to undercut him or negotiate it out from under him. This was a case where he knew he wanted this thing, so he made sure he had it locked down, which was important because he worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. It was just kind of the side pet project. And one night he called us at the store. It was me and my roommates uh, who were his buddies, and he said, I've got something. I'm bringing it in. And he had just printed out the first draft and so gave us a copy of the script, and we took it home and we read it by just handing pages one of us to the next as we were sitting in a in a line just reading this thing and it blew our minds he had talked for years about what he wanted to do and executed it exactly the way he said he was going to like it was a script that you read it the first time and you knew this is a movie this is going to be a movie i'm going to end up seeing this film and it's going to be great
1: all those beautiful cinematic and beats it, just question for you before you before you continue because i'm curious all those beautiful cinematic beats that we love when we watch this movie like the most basic screenwriting payoff stuff it was all in there that first time like you could just feel each one
0: oh yeah and that that was the frank's a strong structure guy anyway that's that's always been his background it's one of the reasons i think he did so well on television was he has a very strong sense of structure and so shawshank to him was one of those things he looked at it and he saw here is this perfect machine where you have this setup, this payoff, this setup, this payoff. Hmm. And it really is just on the page. It's perfect right? in that sense. And it was like that the first read. So,
1: Who was the third guy um, in line? The only was thing it was to be a little longer. <laughs> he wanted it to be longer.
0: Um, no, it was just maybe a little longer oh, in the first oh. draft. But otherwise, it's oh, what you it. see, Like, it's what you saw. That's how on the dartboard he was the first time.
1: Yeah, we were talking um, this morning about how, like, uh, when he, you know, early on in the script, right, like it's developing, and he has the line. So when Andy asked me to smuggle Rita Hayworth into the prison, I said, "Sure, no problem." And you're like, "Oh my God, how is he going to get Rita Hayworth into the prison? Like, th- what's the payoff? Right? Yeah, it's like, like, it's such a compelling way to just like create interest and 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 just like, how are you going to do this in the viewer's mind? Yeah. Well, and
0: it's and so that that script immediately was like, we knew it was going to be we. Called him the next morning and were like, I, "That's you, okay, you did it. That's exactly what you said it was going to be. Yeah. And he took it out to the town, and very quickly it became clear that everyone wanted to buy it from him. No one wanted to let him direct it. And so every offer was, this is great, this is perfect, we're going to make this tomorrow, we'll put it into production, it's ready to go, you can't direct it. Everybody said the same thing, and to his credit, Frank knew what he had. And said, nope, I'm directing. I'm the only person who's directing this. The the one deal that came close to knocking him off of that was Rob Reiner's deal at Castle Rock. And right. Rob Reiner wanted this thing desperately, was determined. And he read it because Tom Cruise read it and wanted to direct it himself with himself starring. <laughs> Rob Reiner read it and said, no, you should not direct this movie. I should direct this movie with you in it. <laughs> and they both worked, Frank. The deal was a huge deal they offered him. You can make two other films, anything you want. We'll greenlight them. You don't even have to tell us what they are. We'll make – you just have to let us make this. And to his credit, he held firm, and they finally buckled and signed him to write and direct and make the movie. Rob Reiner instead made North. Which I've never seen. That's important because that's the worst movie Rob's ever made. (laughs) And not only is it the worst movie he's ever made, it was the worst test screening he's ever had, which I know because I was there. (laughs) It was so bad that at one point, the cast of Seinfeld who had shown up to support Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Jason Alexander got up and vocally left. Wow. Holy shit. It was awful. It was a deadly, deadly test screening. Two days later... Darabont had to show his first cut of the film to Rob Reiner, who was a producer on the film. Yeah, Can yeah. you imagine the pressure of walking into that room? Knowing this guy wanted to make it, you're about to show it to him, and he just had the worst night of his life because he made something else instead? Terrifying. Oh, my God. He watched the movie by himself, sat in the front of the room. Darabont stood in the back. Rob didn't make a noise, didn't move, didn't say anything, and Darabont was like, I'm never, this is never coming out. They're going to bury my movie. I'm done. And at the end of the screening, Reiner got up, walked up to him and said, it's the best thing Castle Rocks ever made. God damn you. And then left.
1: It's, it's kind of amazing. Drew and I were just talking before you, you called in about uh, in, in 1994, Tim Robbins versus Morgan Freeman. I don't know if you were listening just a second ago, but Morgan Freeman's sort of career uh, to this point had been largely just like supporting white lead characters. That's, that's like what he was doing. And you know, he's still kind of doing that in this movie, but it still seems like in terms of his acclaim and the credit he was getting, the size of the roles, he was almost more famous than Tim Robbins when this came out. Would you agree or no?
0: Well, I think I think Tim Robbins was – they kept trying to figure out what Tim Robbins was. And they kept trying to push him into this sort of mainstream comedy box, which he resolutely didn't fit in. He, Tim <laughs> Robbins is such an odd – you know, very political, very smart, very caustic. Yeah, as but a person, yeah, but have you not seen... really the, the romantic comedy lead. They kept trying to make him.
1: But have you seen so, Nothing to he Lose? Was, or is that, he was, that he was, what was unhappy, yeah. I think,
0: trying to figure it out. And I think it was one of those cases where the casting of him changed the way people saw Robbins after that. And I think the casting of Morgan Freeman cemented him as an icon, which every now and then you get that perfect role where that happens. happened to Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. Right. But this is the moment where Morgan Freeman became, Morgan, holy shit, Freeman. I think permanently.
1: Would you agree that this is the most iconic voiceover ever?
0: Yeah. And I, and it's the reason that his voice has now become the sort of go-to standard of, if you want honey poured on velvet, this is it. This (laughs) is the voice you want to spend two hours listening to. And yeah, and it's, and I think part of it is because it's not just that his voice has that great, rich, resonant timber to it. It's because when Morgan Freeman's telling you a story, you lean in, which is what the whole movie is. The whole movie is a story being told to you that you're leaning in to hear, yeah, and you're right. The whole point of the structure is every detail is meant to hook you to make the next detail important. And yeah, that's Morgan Freeman is the perfect guy to deliver
1: that it's It's amazing, like and again, I said this is my thesis, but I really do feel like his his voiceover in this movie almost works as a character in itself. It's like so iconic. It's almost feels separate from his character of red just because like every time it comes back on, it's like you're hearing someone else talk again.
0: Well, and I think that was that was the key to casting, Rhett, is you had to find the voice that you wanted to, to sit and listen to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, McQueenie, um, I know that – I was I was looking at your tweets this week, and uh, you were talking about how you'd recently shown both of your boys this, this movie. And I'm a big fan of, of both your sons. We've yeah. met them a lot at the uh, – They give Jeff Snyder a lot of shit. They give Jeff Snyder and <laughs> myself, myself actually, a decent amount of shit. He's like, I don't like you. You're mean to my dad. Oh, yeah, they they, they, they sat front row and give you stink eye during one of our matches. Oh, right. I know. And I, and I could feel yeah. it. So I was, I was. Ben and I were talking on this episode how my mother, I was, you know, I was raised by a single mom, and, and the movies that I watched growing up were vastly different than the movies that Ben's dad would show him. But yeah. when I was like ten years old, my mother showed me The Shawshank Redemption as like the first R-rated movie I'd, I'd ever watched with her. And you had just recently shown your boys, who I believe you are ten and eleven. Um, uh, ten and thirteen now. Ten yeah. and thirteen. Excuse me. This movie. What is it about this film that you think? like lens or like why do you think that parents want to show their adolescent children their kids like in their not even in their real teens yet this gnarly movie about prison what do you think it is about it that seems so palatable at a young age
0: Uh, i think it's a movie about resilience and i think it is a movie about the fact that life may deal you a shit hand which is not a bad lesson to learn early yeah um but it is it is about learning how to bend without breaking it is about learning what to do to pick yourself up and move on. And I think, and it's hard, Shawshank. Yes, it's a prison movie. That's where it's set, but it's really about Andy and about the fact that Andy knows that he didn't do something. He knows he's going to get out. He just doesn't know exactly how, and it's that one step in front of another. It's the, and I think the reason that movie has so much passion behind it is Darabont needed to make that movie to change his life. He didn't want to just be a guy writing TV. He wanted to be a filmmaker. And he knew that was the story that would do it. And that was the story that he had to tell that way. Yeah. So I think he's Andy. And I think that he felt that all the way through the, the pre-production and the production and, and the release of the film. And it's the weirdest thing. We call the movie underrated. We say the film underperformed. It was not a box office hit. Mm-hmm. It was an Oscar nominee for Best Picture. But yeah. it's one of those nominees where it was almost like – they nominated a bit grudgingly because it wasn't a success, and that's part of the Oscar consideration. Um, that film is the little engine that could. The fact that it is beloved now is a testament to the movie. Nothing about its release guaranteed that it was going to have the life it's had
1: afterwards. It's yeah. really become the str- – like. It's, is it still the number one movie on IMDb's Top 250? Yeah, it is. Right, like it's it's beloved by people, often regarded as the the greatest movie. Like and that's pe- with like over two million votes. People love this movie. <laughs> like they people love this movie in a way that like I almost can't find another movie that's loved in the same way. But we, we do want to get to reasons why, and we do a segment on the show called Fist Pump Moment. Which uh, guys, if you're watching or listening for the first time, Fist Pump Moment is that moment you're watching a movie, something happens, you kind of you like want to look around, just like are you seeing this right now? I get to watch the rest of this movie. I'm so excited. You want to call your buddy and just tell him. Like you got it. You got to flip to 17 minutes in 30 seconds. This thing happens. Trust me, it's going to get you. Uh, And it could be anything. It could be title music, a look from a character, a line, a big moment, just anything. The casting of a character. What is it for you, Drew, that makes this movie this movie? Yeah. What is your fist pump moment, Uh Drew?
0: I think it's the moment where Andy locks himself in the room and plays the record.
1: Yeah, uh, for me that is
0: that is the that is one of the great moments in the movie, and everything about it makes me laugh. First of all, the guy he locks in the uh, the uh, the bathroom yep. is a director who uh, directed a play of mine, which oh, makes funny. me belly laugh every single time I see the movie. Yeah, um, I, I know him just for, he's, he's been in a of handful all the of stuff. things to be all the, <laughs> of all the moments to be immortalized you're immortalized as the guy locked in the bathroom taking a dump <laughs> yeah. congratulations don McManus. i love you buddy you're pinching um, a loaf as specifically just, says. but yes. that scene is such a terrific moment of freedom in a moment where you have none and yeah. taking yeah. that one little kernel of it and, and wringing everything you can out of it and robin sells it the direction sells it it's the perfect cut of music it's One of those sequences where every element works perfectly.
1: And that shot, the shot over the yard where he has so many of these beautiful, wide, huge shots. Like the the cinematography of everyone standing in the yard just completely stopped and staring at that speaker is such a beautiful moment. Yeah, it's it's an incredible moment, too. And like uh, the way the guy is first pleading with Andy, Andy, let me out, like because he's like. Come on, Andy, let me out. He's, like, talking <laughs> to him like he's his friend a little at first, yeah. you know, right? Like, it, it's just another illustration of how much Andy has become this guy who, like, everybody there kind of recognizes, like, if you weren't in here, I'd be looking up to you. Yeah. You know, like, that's that's how I'm going to have to talk to you because, like, you're that awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, McQueenie, last thing before we let you go, brother. Do you have a favorite line in this movie from uh, – yeah, do you have a favorite line in the movie and was it in that original draft that you read? Um favorite line in the movie and was it
0: in the original draft Yeah, uh yes and yes and it's uh, it's very simple it's it's right at the end of the uh script it's it's when he says that uh he hopes to see his friend again i think it's one of the most Mm. um i think it's a gorgeous line and i think the the emotional shoe that that drops on the audience is so heavy and it's such a simple collection of words it's not he didn't have to oversell it. He doesn't have to overwrite it. It's not like over floor. It's so direct. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful line and a
1: beautiful film. I have last just quick a couple questions for you, Drew, uh, and then we will let you go. The first one is, uh, and I hope the answer is what I think it is, will this movie ever get remade?
0: No. No, I, can, I can't God, imagine. I um, first of all, King – At least not during King's late time, because King, I doubt, would sell it again. Uh, King doesn't mind seeing remakes of stuff he didn't care for, or stuff that just people want to pay him for. But Shawshank is very close to his heart, and I think he would be very protective of it.
1: And then the second question is, while this movie has sort of become, as you said, the little engine that could, the most, it went from being the most underrated movie ever made to kind of, I don't know how you can call it underrated anymore. Is there another movie you can think of you would put on its level in the same way it's underrated to this degree like it's that it's this high
0: oh you mean one that went from people just didn't go see it in the theater to now it's beloved or even um, no in... i can't really think of any any movie that made that big a transition from really not connecting with an audience in theaters where you just the people would go you couldn't get them to go see something called that yeah and to now being the thing that if it's on cable bars will stop so that people can watch and listen <laughs> that,
1: that is a hundred percent accurate uh, i mean ben and i used to work in a bar and that would happen all the time when it's... shawshank was on shawshank and lord of the rings specifically yeah. it's the ultimate bro drama yep. that's the other funny part it's like such a bro drama because it's so good for dudes like dudes love this movie they get the concept of brotherhood well, and
0: it's, like... not, and it's... Yeah, and it's not toxic and crappy. It's not a movie that in 10 years you're going to feel like everything in this now, oh, my God, I can't believe 15 years ago we thought some of this was okay. This is not a movie that (laughs) dates in that way. The, The things that are at the core of this film are very simple about how you treat people and what the values are that are important in a friend. Those are things that really thankfully don't change
1: yeah agreed 100 yeah, um drew thank you so much for coming on the show we appreciate it man we hope to have you in studio one day when it's a little bit more convenient Absolutely. and uh also you know where can the folks find you we didn't introduce you properly at the top i know you do a couple different projects you have an awesome podcast you want to talk about that stuff for a second
0: uh, the podcast is called 80s All Over. Uh, we are going month by month through the 1980s and reviewing every single film, not just the stuff you've heard of, but the things that nobody remembers existed. And we're doing uh, one month per episode. It comes out every two weeks, and I think it's pretty terrific. So, yeah, check that out, please.
1: And if you want to follow Drew McQueen on And, of are going to be on
0: the Schmodown this season. Yeah, oh. I'm all over the Schmodown this year.
1: Oh, yeah, you've got a match coming up this Friday against Mark Riley. Cannot wait to see who is going to oh, be winning yeah. that match um, this Friday. Yeah. <laughs> considering yeah. Mark Riley Yodi. is part of someone that Finally. I uh, hate. Um, but, yeah, McQueenie, thank guy. you so much for calling in, brother. Uh, everyone, you guys can find him at Drew McQueenie on Twitter, and uh, we'll talk very soon, my friend.
0: All right. Thank you. Take care, guys.
1: Me Thanks, too. Drew. Bye. Oh, wow. Crazy story. Just the coolest shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I didn't even want to talk. I didn't I want to say a word. I just wanted him to tell us everything. Yeah. so So cool. Like, I can't. Can you imagine what it would have been like sitting in that room reading that script, like handing one page to the next? That's literally like the thing that you hope when you're like, tell me about this movie. You're like hoping someone's like, well, I have a good story for you. Um, Really quickly, just because I know Marissa Serafini who's up in the booth. She's producing. She's engineering. Uh, Marissa, you like this movie, yeah? yeah? Did that story blow your mind a little bit? Yes. That,
0: okay. I mean, that's so fascinating to see, you know, to, to get the behind the scenes, the actual pre-production phase, which no one really gets to witness unless you actually are a part of it. And just to have that Feeling that you know is going to be successful before it really even gets greenlit, I think it it really is a testament to how special this movie is.
1: Yeah, yeah. agreed. Agreed. Uh, we're going to continue moving through our fist pump moments because they're friggin' sweet. Yes, one hundred percent. And I want to know for we're looking for Marissa. Do we have a hard hard out at our normal uh, our normal time? Just so I know what we what to get to.
0: No, you can go a little.
1: Great. Perfect. On. Okay. Um. So uh, fist pump moment. We explained what it was. Drew, why don't you jump in with yours? What's yeah. Fist pump I mean, moment? my fist pump moment. It's there's so many. But it's got to be when the warden is freaking out. It's a goddamn conspiracy. Yeah. And you're in it. And he's in on it. And even she's in on it. he throws. And then you hear the ding, 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 ding. And then the, the music. drop, yeah. And then the music. And then, like, he pushes the little finger through and then rips the poster. Uh, and you see the hole. And it's just like... It's, the, it's like the it, greatest heist movie payoff ever. 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 Like, it is so satisfying. And I love... You're like, there's no way he kills himself. There's yeah. no way Andy Dufresne kills himself. Not None. after all this, but two months in the hole, dude. Two months in the hole can make you do yeah. anything, get busy living, get like, oh my God. But when you finally, oh, and the way that they set it up, again, you talk about like the most simple story writing, like Dufresne, get out of your sir. I'll thump you. And yeah. they do the long shot, the long yep. shot down the hallway, yep. the everything. It's just so wonderful. So it this is an impossible movie to have one. But yeah. I will say, um it's probably suds on the roof. It's so good. Because dude. because I I can remember suds on the roof being a scene in a movie like that, I every time I've watched it, it's just sort of everything about it, the way it sets up from first Andy says the first line, then he says a second line that gets him into even hotter water. And you've already seen Hadley beat someone to death. Do you trust your wife? Yeah. No, what I'm asking is, do you think she'd hamstring you? That's a pretty good Andy Dufresne. Yeah. And <laughs> at, at that point, you know, Andy has already gotten his ass kicked by the ladies. You know, he's already right. Like it's bad news. Like he's sisters. He's, yeah. Yeah. So the sisters, not the ladies. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, but like it's you're kind of like. You don't really see it happen overnight, but the way that Red pulls the strings to get Andy on the crew to be on the roof, because at that point you're like, "Oh, Andy's part of the crew now." Yeah, cool. Yeah, you're and like, and wouldn't you know it? A couple of guys, yeah. me and a couple of guys I knew. You're yeah. like, "Oh, good, he's being taken care of by God." Yep, yep. Um, and so he's, you know, he's up on the roof. God is Morgan Freeman, and um, <laughs> and and he says the line, and you don't know what's going to happen, and then it's like, it's when it, they're drinking and like Red's delivering that thing, and then and then Hadley walk or. uh wood walks over. And he's like, "You want one, Andy?" He's like, "Nah, I quit drinking." Yeah. It's just, it's like every time I watch it, I'm like, "This is the perfect five minutes of a movie." You feel so good. You just feel so good. Yeah, you know, it's it's so friggin' good, man. I mean, it, it's it's mind blowing how good it is. Um, and it's so simple. Yeah, it's. It's wonderful. It's, it really is. It's really special. So those are going to be our fist pump moments, guys. Share yours in the chat here. We'll uh, we'll shout a couple out here as we continue through the show. I want to talk a little bit about the team behind making this movie. You know, um, Darabont was mentioned by McQueenie here a second ago. So this is Frank Darabont's directorial debut. Apparently uh, uh, King paid uh, – uh, took a $1,000 check from Darabont that he never cashed. Huh. Because probably after he read it, he was like, yeah. But anyway, I think that's a, a cool little fact. So so go ahead. You were saying about uh, Darabont King? Yeah, this is his directorial debut for a feature film. He had done the short. It was compiled into another series of shorts that was released around the same time this came out. Um, he had done some TV stuff and, you know, producing and writing. But this is the movie that he starts his career with. And he... <laughs> If not for the success of The Green Mile, which is a significantly worse movie, and I would say as great and underrated as this movie is, I would say The Green Mile is almost as overrated, because yeah. it's a good movie. I would, I would 100% agree. But it's not really that rewatchable. Um, it, it also just borrows a lot of the magic from this movie. It's Yeah. He is truly sort of the one-hit wonder director, just in the sense that, like, this is so incredible. He did so few other movies. Um, and none of which were that good. Yeah, I've know. never seen The Mist. Um, I did. <laughs> Yeah, people don't like it that much. The Majestic's pretty bad. I have seen that. Yeah. And uh, Green Mile, I watched a year or two ago, and yeah, it was it's fine. fine. Um, but what I will say about Frank Darabont is that I have a small Darabont story of my own, and I think I've told it on this show maybe before. I probably told it when we did our eight movies we could never cover episode because this was one of the movies in that episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Liars! <laughs> And uh, I was I was 17 years old. I was working at this comic book store here in Hollywood. It's no longer around called Meltdown Comics. And uh, we had a little art gallery in the back uh, where we would like you know have shows every Friday. And this was 2005. And I'm at the register. I got this long floppy hair down on my shoulders. And this guy walks up to the counter, and he's got he's got a uh, Walking Dead Volume One and Volume Two in his hand. You've heard this story before. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And he's like. Uh, hey, I'd like to buy these. And I was like, oh, yeah, these are so great. I love this series. This is one of my favorite comic books. Um, it's really, really good. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan too. And uh, he's like, actually, you know, be honest with you, I've got a pitch tomorrow. Um, I've got a pitch tomorrow to sell this show. Uh, I want to make it into a TV show. I think I can do a really good job with it. I Did was you like, know it was Darebot? No. No. And I was like, that's so cool. I was like, I, it would be great as a TV show. I was like, I hope it happens for you, man. And he's like, yeah, me too. And I was like, uh, we have an art gallery in the back. You should stick around and, and hang out. And he looked at me, and he was like, I'd love to, man. I'm sorry, but uh, I got to buy a pretty girl a pizza. And... uh and i was like good answer and then i rang him up and, and my boss was like you know who that was i was like that's frank darabont man that's the shashank redemption fuck i was like holy shit uh so i can only assume if it wasn't that pitch it was another one shortly thereafter that got the show made and he was the you were supposed to be andrew lincoln i was supposed to be andrew lincoln <laughs> yeah yeah my hair was perfect and i was for the supposed role. to be denai Guerrero. yeah <laughs> <laughs> we just barely missed out on the role we were ba- barely barely did um I don't think we actually have enough time to to cover the other thing that we want to do yeah, about Stephen why don't King. We skip it? Yeah, um, but what we can do is talk about. Well, let's just breeze through box office really, really quickly because yeah. this is the fascinating thing it was talked about. So, uh, Columbia released this movie, cost twenty five million dollars to make, came out September twenty third, nineteen ninety four. It grossed twenty eight million dollars domestic, nothing worldwide as it was not released worldwide. But it does say its total gross was $58 million, so I think it was re-released. It um, must have been, yeah. It was. So it had an, a limited release, um, and it made $727,000. It was number 33 that week ran, weekend. And then a wide release, it was still at number 9, and only made $2.4 million. So, it, again, no one knew about this movie. It might have come out in September... Bombed out and then gotten re-released, like, December on Christmas as the buzz was going into Oscar season. And then people started seeing it. Or yeah. it had, a, like, a re-release the next year or ten years later or something. And a lot of people complained about the title of the movie. It even Drew mentioned in the phone call, like, the Shawshank Redemption. How is that going to get anyone in theaters? It needs yeah. to be, like, more snappy. Obviously, now looking back. I mean, honestly, I even think even taking the title of the novel by Stephen King... Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption would have maybe even sold more then. Yeah. You know, obviously it's long, but uh, as we talked about earlier, this movie is a 9.3 on IMDb with over 2 million votes, making it the number one movie on the IMDb Top 250. Um, Which is another one of those ones where, like, it's not the number one movie of all time, but it's closer to its proper rating than I think most of the ratings on this list are. Cause I almost had a thesis one. about that to add to like, cause I wanted to start a conversation with you, but, um, the calling was much more important. So all critics give a 91 top, give it a 94 audience gives it a 98 for probably the highest reviewed movie we've ever covered on the show. Definitely the highest ranked one. Um, so let's get into our favorite line. Yeah. Favorite line. So this is uh, easy for me just because the other scene that I was going to talk about, um, the other scene that I was going to talk about was is probably, and that is the Brooks Was Here scene, yeah. which is another one similar to Suds God, on the Roof so sad. that is like a little vignette that's always stuck with me. Um, I listened to this soundtrack, the Thomas Newman soundtrack to this movie at high school. Pro- it's probably the earliest memory I have of listening to like a movie score a lot, and Brooks Was Here was the song that always was it's the saddest and just stuck out to me. Yeah. and. There's just something about the way he's talking, and I think the line that I like so much is when he says, when I was a kid, I saw an automobile once. Oh, it's so... They're everywhere now. The world went not have got itself in a big damn hurry. That's my favorite line. That whole... That might be the saddest 10 minutes of a movie ever. Yeah. Like, you switch from the red narration to the Brooks narration, which he could have narrated the whole movie, too. Yeah. His voice is wonderful. It's so sad. And he's sitting there talking about a whole damn hurry. He's talking about. It's, I hope Jake will show up. I hope he's doing okay. And it's like it's a bird that you found in. And he's all yeah, but it's even then he's like I always hope he'll show up, but he doesn't. Yeah, you know you're like ah. It's a it's brutal and 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 just all of it. Um, that that sequence kills me, and I just think that line out the world went itself got itself in a big damn hurry because it's sort of, uh, it's like McQueeny said a second ago the movie never really dates because yeah. that could be true today. It could you could feel the same way about ten years ago. The world yeah. is so much faster that was 10 years ago. It's so funny. Yeah. I actually wrote all that I I had written that down uh in my notes. That scene in in his monologue is, is so incredibly impactful and that is my favorite line of his when he says that. He's like, "I saw an automobile once." Yeah. You're like, "Holy fuck, you've been in here for so long." Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's like unfathomable. So God, it's tough. You guys are you guys are hitting all the great ones in the chat, you know, get busy living, get busy dying, yep. you talk about um Let's see where are some of the other ones in here. Ah, we're running low on time, so to skip them. My favorite line, I actually think it's so tough. There's there's so many of them. Um, but I actually think my favorite line is is this the whole speech that Morgan Freeman gives on the roof yeah. during the suds. And it's not even because there's a certain line in it that's so impactful, it's just how it's written. It's such a beautiful it's like a—, a It's a poem. It's like, I don't even know how to explain. Like, I go back and I look at the whole thing. You know, he talks, you know, even the colossal prick. Or the Colossal Prick even managed to sound magnanimous is one of my favorite lines. You know, we were the lords of all creation is in there as well. You know, the Bohemia style beer. Like there's just the, the verbiage in it is so juicy and rich. And you know, we could be up there tar in one of our own houses. Like the yeah. whole thing is just yep. so wonderful and Freeman is perfect. So yeah, that as weird as it is, that's actually my favorite line. And it's like the way that Andy says I gave up drinking, it's like yeah. it's so poetic because it's like in reference to
0: what got him of his here life. yeah
1: but it's also some some notion that you still have the dignity and, and discipline in prison to make prison you know uh work for you you have hope right yeah that's like what it is is like you have hope that not drinking and having given up drinking matters in your life well oh, yeah 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 and the other one is the uh Andy dufresne the man who crawled through five footballs of shit yeah, and came yeah, out yeah, clean I mean, on the other side yeah <sighs> Classic. so good so use that one about bad fantasy football drafts and winning the league <laughs> used that one before <laughs> congratulations on your win <laughs> uh, all right guys we're gonna continue moving through the show here we talked favorite line any ama questions that we want to address today um yeah i i mean kind of there was a couple on there being pulled like uh, but we actually kind of talked about them. like is this the most timeless movie of all time you know is there is this the you know career defining roles things like that Trying to pull up exactly which ones we have in here in case I miss any. What's been weird lately is that a lot of people haven't asked um, a lot of questions, although Josh Ryan did ask a really good one, which I would love to find here. Um, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, though, so I'm probably going to have to skip it. Twitter, maybe? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Just dead air now. So uh, we're going to skip that. One thing that people did want to talk about was uh, Cage versus Cruz. Okay. <laughs> Because Tom Cruise was originally supposed to be Andy Dufresne? Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you either get busy living or you get busy dying. Woo! Woo! <laughs> or, uh, or like Cage doing any of Morgan Freeman's speeches. Oh, yeah. Cage, Cage probably has some, some some good ones. Andy Dufresne <laughs> came, <laughs> came to Shawshank Prison the spring of 49. <laughs> I like to think that the last thing that went through the warden's head, other than that bullet... Was Andy Dufresne? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, All right, guys. There are three action movie categories. Uh, Totally ridiculous. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't even matter. It's totally This movie is totally legit. It's like one of the most legit movies we've ever covered on the show. Ever in the history of movies, ever. Um, So, last thing to talk about on the show here real quick is called The The Pitch. Wow. It was good. Yeah. It was a we good comboed one, a on that one. one. We did. <laughs> I'd appreciate it if you'd stay off my growl. <laughs> uh, so, uh, next week, am I mistaken in thinking that we are covering the, a huge... We didn't even mention, actually, really much at all. Today, we were covering this movie because it's been oh, like yeah. 25 years since it came out. Yeah, that was actually the reason why this is covered. It's a 25-year anniversary. Obviously, not today, but it is yeah. the 25-year anniversary for this movie. And it is on both of our top five lists. It is, it is in... Our top five favorite movies of all time, which this Friday on the Action Guys, you and I are going to be counting down and ranking our individual top fives. I've never done this before. I'm having a hard time with it. It's crazy. This is exciting because some of you guys were part of uh, Fistbump Film Club, which was the anchor station I used to do. And I was doing top 50 Tuesdays. I got down to about 38, you know, the back 12 of my top 50. Well... I never got to the top five because nope. I stopped doing that station, but I am going to be doing my top five alongside Andrew on the Action Guys. So be sure to check that out. It's on the Collider Podcast Network. Uh, we stream or it goes up at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Fridays on the Collider Podcast Network YouTube as well as everywhere you can find podcasts on the movie talk feed, uh, the Collider movie talk feed. So that's the the sister podcast of this podcast. We'll, yep. be, doing, we'll be doing that this Friday. Check that out. And um, coming up next week on the show, we're going to be covering... Avatar. Yeah. Kind of 2009. Crazy. 10 years, guys. Also, another anniversary. You know, we saw Alita Battle Angel, and we'll be covering that probably the following week, but we were going it, to cover it next week, but you guys wouldn't have seen it yet. We both loved it. It was uh, super sweet. Yeah. Very, like very good. Lot. Also, James Cameron produced. Uh, very interesting when you see Peter Jackson produce Mortal Engines and you see James Cameron produce Alita. Uh, very, very opposite sides of the coin in Yeah, I there. loved Alita and Mortal Engines was a big pile of shit. Yes, so, exactly. Um, so we will be covering Avatar next week on the show. The last thing that we need to mention really quickly just to kind of circle back around is, once again, Action Army is recruiting. Ben and I are looking for one more associate producer More specifically, someone who is ideally better at uh, social media as opposed to other things. Someone who is a social media manager would be wonderful. So please DM us on Twitter or reach out to us on Facebook individually or at Team Action Show. We would love to have you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. We can't wait to work with you guys. So again, DM if you're already on the, if you're already a member of the Patreon, which is Patreon.com/teamaction. Uh, even if you're just paying a dollar, you have direct access to send us a message. That's the best yep. way because we'll check that every single day. If not, and you want to contact us, let us know on you know Twitter on Facebook instagram just send a message we'll get it and uh we're you know we're going to look through all the submissions and come up with a person we think is the best fit to help us get this thing done so we can really grow the content out there we're really excited about it so thank you guys so much for watching thanks for listening thanks to drew mcqueeny for an epic call-in godfather Um, himself and uh yeah guys uh, what else not nothing thank you so much Mercy serafini in the booth and we will see you next week see you guys bye from producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire popcorn talk network we would like to thank you for tuning in